Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is our Valentine's Day series, special series on relationships. And we have the one and only Dr. Rosina Bakari. And today we are talking about five relationship expectations that keep you single or unhappy. Yeah, this is a good one. And uh, Dr. Bakari, you have five good ones for us. So let's just jump right in. So good to see you as always. And to get your wisdom, we're going to jump right in with these five relationship expectations. Number one, the man has to be the breadwinner. Ooh, you're fine, Dr. Bakari, so uh, fill us in. <laughs> All right. Well, we're starting with, with the doozy. Um, the, the man has to be a breadwinner. Why is that a tricky expectation? So it's interesting that in all the discussion that we have about equality, uh, pay equality, uh, breaking through glass ceilings, we're not yet having the serious discussions about the, the makeup of the household. So for example, what we know right now is that when men make more money than the average man, he is more likely to be married, to be partnered. When women make more money than the average woman, she is more likely to be single. So making money is not a positive affect for marriage when it comes to women as opposed to men. So there, that means there's some discussion in order that, that needs to be had. The other piece of that that we aren't really talking about in terms of this, the career equality, let's call it that, is that men who make a lot of money, six figures, the first number is not one, Men who make a lot of money often have someone at home, housewife, they used to call them some other fancy name, domestic engineer, part, life partner. They have someone at home for a, a long time. This has been the case. Again, things are changing with divorce rates um, uh, getting higher and higher. But traditionally, and more likely still than women, men have someone home who takes care of everything else so that their only task in that relationship in that marriage is to perform at work and make money so that means they're not at work worrying about if the children are okay they're not sneaking out a couple of hours early or hour early to pick children up from work. That means, of course, they can work later. They can work on weekends. They have more flexibility to give time to their careers. We have not yet appreciated the value of having someone home that's not a woman in the home. So in other words, because women don't have access to that luxury yet, because we still insist, women and men, still insist that the man has to be the breadwinner. As long as we hold on to that ideal, it means that women will never have that luxury in general. We will never have the luxury of going to work and not worrying about 
our children, not having to leave early to pick them up from school, not taking uh, time off from work because there's a sick child from home, unless we have uh, uh, a parent or grandparent that will pitch in or something like that. But generally speaking, we don't have the same luxury for that. So when we hold on to this ideal that the, the most important item that a man can bring into a relationship is his wallet, then it affects us as women, not just in our relationship with, with men, but in our relationship also to our careers and in the home. So it's something that we might want to look at. And that's a bigger conversation I know. I'm just saying that's the conversation we have to really start having. Can we give our girlfriends permission to date someone who's making $50,000 less than her? Can we? Are we ready to do that? Can we support our, our daughters who come home and say, my husband's going to quit his job and I'm going to advance my career while he takes care of the children? Are we ready to support those structures in relationships? If so, then we can throw that expectation out of the window. Yeah, that definitely is going to be a challenging one for the culture. You know, just being just just being on a lot of social media and blogs, you know, when people talk about there's a divorce happening and it's the man that wants alimony, you know, people are up in arms, whether it's men, women, whatever. And they're like, oh, he needs to go get a job. He, you know, he needs to get a job and take care of himself and not, you know, depend on this woman, you know, all of this stuff, you know, and sometimes men will come out and say, wait a minute. You all been talking about equality. So what's the problem with him asking for alimony? So, yeah, like you said, this is, we're not quite there yet. Um, I'm just, just when you're talking about what if a woman had like a house husband, you know, and all she had to really concentrate on was the career, you know, as per se, not and her relationship with her husband, obviously, but if she really could just put so much energy into her career and where they could both go based on him being support giving giving her that support that she could really excel and they could both win you know um yeah that would be fantastic that would really be oh equality in that sense yes yes thank you for that um let's see your yeah your second um expectation that uh keeps people single and unhappy is the i don't feel needed mantra so if you don't feel needed then <laughs> that's a question that you should discuss with probably with your therapist not necessarily with your intended partner it's problematic when we bring childhood needs into adult relationships. This whole idea of feeling needed is generally associated with some unresolved issues from childhood. Adults don't need each other. The beauty of relationships is that you get to choose the people that you want to be with and be around. And you just develop this existence with one another where you bring joy into this space where you can both be your best. This idea that I have to find a way to be needed in this relationship. What we need is 
company, some sort of companionship, some reliable people in our lives. It doesn't have to be one particularly targeted person, like a child waiting for their parent to come home from work or um, expecting some some uh, validation from their parents because they're a good person or helping to bake cookies with grandma and she needs you to pass the flower. Like this idea that you have to be needed. And the same thing, and I, and, and I shouldn't be so one-sided in, in, the, in the gender references, right? Because the same thing, men talk a lot in terms of looking for someone or expecting a woman to need them. Well, if you make your own money and you drive your own car and you mow your own lawn, what do you need me for? Nothing, nothing. Don't pursue people that if you want somebody to need you, like I said in the other video, then go, go get a dog or a cat. A dog needs you, but don't look for a person who needs you and try to build companionship off of that. Because that oftentimes is just not a high quality expectation to have in a relationship. What if you learn to just share love with people because they're lovable people, not because they need you. Hmm. Wow. Thank you for that. That that is just really a word. Um, yeah, that's that's an unmet childhood need. Wow, that's something for people to really sit on and and, and contemplate. Um I want to go to your third um expectation, which is. I need quality time. We hear a lot of people say that you don't give me quality time. Okay. What do you say to that? So I know that sounds like a reasonable expectation. Please do not DM me or look me up and send me nasty <laughs> uh, letters um, because I know that quality time is a buzzword for relationships. What I really want to convey here is that quality time is relative to each relationship. So putting that buzzword out there that you want to spend quality time with someone, that also may be in conflict with some of the other things that you want from this person. And so quality time has to be agreed upon in a relationship rather than you determining what it looks like for someone else before they even arrive, right? And so uh, if uh, you ask, I'm sure if you ask, for example, Michelle Obama, by the way, I'm reading her, her uh, Becoming book right now, which is so good. Uh, but when you ask her, what was her quality time like with her husband, who was the president of the United States, I'm quite sure, at least, and, and her, she certainly alludes to this in a book that that could no longer be an expectation. So quality time depends on what they're spending their time on outside of the relationship. But quality time is so relative. And one person doesn't get to decide what quality time is in that relationship. So you have to agree on what that looks like and what that is. A lot of times people confuse quality time with entertainment. They have to be entertained by a person. They're not the same thing. So quality time sometimes is cuddled up on a couch watching a movie. 
not having any conversation at all. But if you insist that quality time means somebody somebody is pouring their heart out to you and that's your definition of quality time, then that's problematic. If quality time means you have to spend every single moment together from five o'clock Friday to eight o'clock Monday morning, that could be problematic depending on uh, what other things show up in, in, in both of your lives. So do you need or should you expect quality time? Absolutely. But quality time is a relative notion that has to be decided on what that looks like by both people. Yeah, uh, you know, I remember we were talking earlier and you mentioned, you know, quality time when a couple is childless looks different when they have children. Right, right. Quality time looks different when they have a, a, a job looking, putting widget A on widget B and get off the same time every single day than it does when someone's the CEO or a vice president or something else. So we have to be careful who we're comparing ourselves to or where we're picking up these notions about what our relationships look like. We have to stay in constant communication with the person that's right in front of us, not off of television scripts, not off of some book, not off of some childhood fantasy. We can't lose sight of the person that we're having the relationship with. Mm, mm. Yeah, thank you. Well, wow, thank you. And ooh, this next one. Oh my God, everybody, honey, buckle up, buckle up, buckle <laughs> up. This other expectation you have here is you have to be a good lover. <laughs> All right, again, like the quality time, who doesn't want a good lover, right? Of course you want a good lover. The thing is, similar to quality time, that is something that you build with a person. When you have all these expectations about what someone is going to present to you in a relationship, you leave so little room to see what's actually there and what grows organically. If this is someone that you're trying to be with long-term, now if you're going out for a good time for a night or you're uh, out on a town and you just want something for the night, yes, you want something performative. <laughs> you want what you want in that moment. But if you're trying to have a relationship with someone, if they're just performative, first of all, they're just going to do with you, for you, the same thing that they did with and for somebody else. And you may or may not like that, right? They're trying to perform. But when you're building a relationship, then the way that intimacy, physical intimacy plays out in that relationship is a matter of communication. If you have a bad experience with your partner, that you are building this relationship with, if, if your intimacy is not good, it's because you have bad communication, not a bad lover. Because intimacy is created between two people. It's not a performance piece of a relationship. 
And so if you're not communicating what your needs are and communicating how this experience uh, is going to build between the two of you, then that's not really going to be helpful in a long-term relationship. Because again, that changes as well over time. People's need for physical intimacy and how they express physical intimacy changes over time. So when we want quality, quality is based on quality communication, not quality performance. Okay, so let me let me just follow up on that. Do you think that it's more difficult for women to have that type of communication in this instance than it is for men, or is it pretty much the same? I think it's difficult for both parties to have this communication, whether you're talking about uh, heterosexual relationships or same gender relationships. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it can be a tricky conversation to have depending on what people's background and experiences had been and making sure that people are not getting their expectations outside of the relationship. So if you've been taught or trained that you have to perform or that or what your role about performance is, whether it's uh, don't speak, just take whatever you get or uh, focus it around male genitalia, like people come in these experiences with oftentimes unrealistic ex expectation, what guarantees or what comes closest to guaranteeing satisfaction is when people communicate. So uh, whether it's men who, who have an easier time, I don't think men have an easier time with it. Particularly, I think men have been trained to lead the experience, not communicate the experience, but to lead. And when they lead the experience, they lead on their behalf. Mm. So I, I would say, I think is more important for women who have not been taught to lead the experience to learn to engage in the experience with communication, not just physical compliance. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Um, okay, so the next one is also a doozy. <laughs> you know, when Dr. Bakari come here, honey, it is always a hair pull and a wig snatcher, okay? So the next one is that you have to be a priority in the relationship. Yes, so this is number five. So we this is probably something we're going to have to spend some time on. So I'm glad it's the last one. So your priority in a relationship. Again, all of these expectations sound so reasonable. When you ask people what they look for, like these are the kind of things that they say. They, they're, they are logical, but not practical when you're actually in a relationship. And so not communicating about these expectations or miscommunicating about these expectations is often what keep you single or unhappy, unhappy, because we hear these phrases or words thrown around so much 
we assume that everybody sees it the same way, or that certainly this person that we're uh, trying to have a relationship with should see it the same way. Because uh, two, two people who want to be together or are considering being together, they could list all these five expectations and agree like, yes, that is a good relationship. Let's move forward. And then when you start trying to practice it, you're like, hold it. I thought you said I was a priority. And they're going, I, you are a priority. But what you haven't clarified is what that looks like. So when it comes to being a priority, there has to be some real clear understanding between the two of you because we all have priorities, but everything can't be a priority at the same time. So it's about what's my priority today, right? Doing podcasts is not my priority as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, but getting a, the podcast done today is a priority. Priorities are fluid and flexible. And in any relationship that's long-term, you will sometimes find yourself at the bottom of the list more than you like. And likewise, you will also put your partner sometimes at the bottom of the list, perhaps more than they like. So you have to understand it's not a matter of am I priority? There's a difference. Am I a priority is not the same thing as this desire to constantly be the center of attention. They're not the same thing. You can be a priority without being the center of attention. You must learn how to not be the center of attention just because you are a priority. If you demand to constantly be the center of attention because that is your version of being a priority, it is extremely difficult for a relationship to develop organically. Here's what I'm trying to say. If somebody is constantly meeting your demands, they will rarely exceed them. So you really won't ever know what that relationship is organically. If you demand $5 from me every week, you demand it from me, I will give you $5 every week, just as you demand. What you will never know, though, is whether or not I actually would prefer to give you 10. You'll never know if I can give you 10. And you will always be disappointed if I give you $4.95. That's the problem with being, with demanding that somebody make you a priority or expecting someone to make you a priority. As soon as the expectation is met on demand, then you've actually cut off some of the organic awakenings or risings in that relationship. So we have to be careful and be willing to let some things evolve and develop organically to see what this person is doing over a period of time. The way, this, the way that someone expresses being a priority, you being a priority to them, the first month that you're dating may be very different than the way they would express that four months into dating. But if after the first week of dating, for example, 
you don't feel like a priority because they didn't call you four days in a week. You don't feel like a priority. So they're just not the person for you. You don't ever get to see what happens beyond your expectations. It may be that they have a different version of priority. It may be that they didn't contact you four days a week, but they contacted you more than they contacted anybody else. And they contacted you in every spare time that they had. So in their mind, they're treating you like a priority. But in your mind, you're not being treated like a priority. So again, the two of you have agreed that being a priority is important, but what that looks like in your relationship is very different. So allow things to unfold without constantly bringing expectations on your relationship that burdens it and sometimes terminate it prematurely. What happens is that you begin to fill the relationship with expectation rather than connection. So we have to get rid of the expectations sometimes in order to build up the connection. Find the points where you organically, naturally connect. You know, it just seems just go as you go through these five that so much of this is about awareness, really being aware of what it is that your partner needs. And that's not doesn't necessarily have anything to do with talking about it. Right. That's just really paying some real attention. I know earlier we were talking about it. And I think we'll probably go back to quality time about um, how we had heard about some guy talking about, he, you know, when he comes home from work, he sits in his driveway, you know, in the car. And, you know, he just uses that time to decompress. And, you know, the kids are like, well, how come you didn't come inside? How come you're out there? Everything okay? And it's like, that's that time to decompress because otherwise, if he just walks through the door, it's like, everybody's on him like, oh, and, and he doesn't really want that, right? He just wants to kind of just be quiet, just kind of like decompress someplace, you know? And if you're not really aware, if you're not really paying attention, and I don't know if, if, if uh, paying attention is even the right word, but I mean, it's just developing this really aware, okay, what does this person need in this moment? You know, because um, I can if I'm only seeing you through my expectations then I'm never really seeing you. Mm, mm, there it is right there. And that in and, and that one sentence and that one sentence and so much, like you said, so much is not verbally communicated and doesn't always necessarily have to be. You know, I, you know, this one thing, and I want to add, and I really want to ask you about it a lot. And, and supposedly, a lot of women are guilty <laughs> of this. Is you know, they'll say, "Well, I need him to do something, or I want him to do something," and then it's like, "Well," then the man will be like, "Well, did you tell him?" Like a male friend would be like, "Well, did you tell him?" Like, no, he should just know. So, yes, we like mind readers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I just always, you know, just always think about that too. And the type of is that about just not being aware, or again, it's just these expectations without 
I think there's a, there's a number of things that come into play, but again, I, I, I caution us to not bring these childhood expectations into adult relationships, right? So these, these notions that we have, like we're playing with dolls, Barbie and Ken dolls, right? You make them both do whatever you want. Barbie says this to Ken, Barbie wants this from Ken and Ken does it. And your hand is manipulating both the dolls and speaking for both of them, right? So that's we we carry these childhood notions into our relationships but we have to ask ourselves what are we doing and how are we showing up in this relationship so if i'm not willing to speak and advocate for myself in this relationship or i can't accept no in this relationship or i'm impatient in this relationship because when i don't when things don't go my way, I get anxious about whether or not you care. If I'm constantly questioning, do you care? Are you going to stay? Am I priority? Then how I have to say, how am I showing up? What do, what do I want this person to do for me that I'm somehow not able to deliver to myself? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's what happens. We end up really trying to vicariously have a relationship with ourselves through this other person instead of really having a relationship with this other person where we are respectful and compassionate of each other's needs even when our needs compete which they do the longer you are in a relationship the more you will discover competing needs and so Figuring out how those needs will will play or desires, I should say, because they're not needs, but desires, right? Figuring out how you will, how you will engage with each other in ways that build relationship bliss, even as those different needs or desires unfold, as opposed to turning those differences into relationship conflict. Wow, this has been so packed, okay? This is definitely one one for people to keep going over and rewinding and going over. Definitely share it um, with your friends and family. And Dr. Bakari, aren't you doing a relationship series right now? You want to tell us about that? Yes, I am doing actually a whole year relationship series. And it's not too late to get in. Uh, the best thing to do is to go to my website and you'll find it on their relationship bliss if you can't find it. And of course, DM me, email me, and I'll send you information. Uh, we have a session uh, coming up, a live session on relationships every month. So, it, and as well as a curriculum homework, so that at by the end of the year, you will have changed and worked through some nagging uh, negative perceptions and myths about relationships. So the whole idea of it is to learn how to develop relationship bliss in your in in your life. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, thank you. And what's that? Where can they reach you? They can reach me at Dr. B. That's DR period B at Rosinabakari.com. Or the best thing to do is go to my website, rosinabakari.com. 
R-O-S-E-N-N-A-B-A-K-A-R-I.com, RosinaBakari.com. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Bakari. Everybody, please make sure to pass this on and join us next time for our the next episode in our series, our special Valentine's Day series on relationships. Thank you so much for joining us.